You're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, serving the latest news in sci-fi multimedia. And now, your hosts, Scott, Miles, and Emma. Your table is ready. Live long and prosper. This is the captain. We have a little problem with our entry sequence, so we may experience some slight turbulence and then explode. I got a bad feeling about this. Walter, put the cow away, would you? What is this place? It's a freak show. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is M. Ciro Garcia, and tonight, or this afternoon, really, with lovely Bellinis and lovely ladies, the ladies are taking over the Sci-Fi Diner, and it is now the Sci-Fi Dinette. And I'm here with two wonderful people, my friend... Ann Carey. And my other friend... Sarah Boyle. And we will be serving up some lovely lady chit-chat about nerdy, awesome stuff, because chicks did that crap, too. Um... (laughs) This is really actually kind of nice because I, it's a, I, the show is usually with just the two guys, which I love them, and I know they can hear me, but it would be nice to have more girls on the show every once in a while. So when they told me that there was a break being taken, sweet, the ladies are taking over. An episode that passes the Bechdel test, right? Yes, <laughs> yes. We are all here, the supporting, we're not the support, we're all the protagonists of this wonderful, wonderful story. And I don't know, I might be the antagonist of this particular episode. Oh, I dun, would say dun, definitely dun. Yes. <laughs> Well, we're going to try and stick to the way the show is set up, the way the boys have it, but, you know, we're ladies, so it'll be a little bit more efficient. <gasps> oh, so sad. <laughs> I want to thank everybody on the Chronic Rift Network for sharing our show. There's a lot of other great shows on there as well, um, but they don't have these lovely ladies, so hey. So today on the menu, we're serving up um, some chit-chat about movies, some chit-chat about TV, some chit-chat about books, Um, and then for Miles, we're going to have a little Star Trek moment, and then we do have a top five at five, but we haven't decided what that'll be yet, so there you go. And that's about it. So ladies, I know both of you from the wonderful world of nerddom and the Joko Cruise and hanging out. You and uh, Anne and I met via uh, the Geek Talk, the little book club that we belong to that talks about nerdy stuff. And Sarah and I met on Joko Cruise. Indeed. And each one of these ladies has amazing nerd cred, and which is precisely why they're here. <coughs> As I inhale some of the food I'm serving. Do you want to know a funny, funny coincidence? Tell me. We both worked at the same comic book store in Burke a decade apart. Yeah. Did you really? Yeah, I we worked did. there when I was in grad school. Oh my god, that's fantastic. Yeah. And it was a different, I mean, it had a different name and everything, different management, <laughs> but it's the same store. So, and I actually, I probably shopped there while you worked there, to be honest. Because Very likely. Because I've been going to that, that shop in all its various locations and incarnations since I was quite wee, because my grandparents live right down the street from there, so. Nice. Yes. It was, it was my it was first. Kind of it thing. was my first real job. So really, it was. Yes. What was the first job I ever had that I enjoyed? So. There you well, go. what took you to a? Um, I mean, why well, the comic book shop? Well, it was a used bookstore comic book shop, and of course, I've always read comics. My, I, I have a huge stack of comics from the '60s, from mm-hmm. when my cousin was oh. reading them. And she had are they a golden huge, age size, like the big ones? No, they're, they're, they're the they're regular size. And, okay. and, but in order to keep the right rest of the, the cousins switch, from so. stealing them, she wrote her initials on every single one. Oh, gosh. Oh. And at my grandmother's house, they had an apartment behind their house. 
And so we would go up into this apartment and all Karen's comic books, because after she'd gotten married and moved out, they were all stored at my grandparents. So every summer you'd go there and you'd sit there and you'd go through all the comics and read them and it was awesome. So I have her collection and then I have my brother's collection and so it was just natural. When I went to the used bookstore and there's all these used books for me to buy and then... Look, they have comics right. too! Yay! Can I have a job? And uh-huh. they've split up now, like, the the side of it that's the comic book store is now Laughing Ogre, which is still running in Fairfax and University Mall. Fantastic store. They treated me really well when I was an employee, and I can't recommend them highly enough. Um, and then Burke Books is still functioning out in Burke as a separate entity. Um, I've been in here and there, but it's it's not quite as convenient to drive to from where my grandparents were living, so... Uh, and of course, there's the used bookstore smell when you go in there, oh, yes. which is a wildly oh, yes. different scent than the comic book store smell. Oh yeah, which has sadly suffered a little bit from the switch from pulp paper to glossy paper. Um, there's a, a different aroma to the pulp paper than there is to, there to is. The, the new glossies. Well, and, so. and I'm used to kind of the musty smell because right, yeah. they're not so they're rotting basically. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to, to you know call a spade a spade they're they're starting to fall apart yes well and then, now that with all it's not just comic books in the comic book stores anymore it's all the polyurethane stuff it's all the there's I, I love the there's one little comic book shop in Vienna which I'm actually a little bit afraid to walk into by myself because it's just is kind of creepy when you walk in but it has that smell that old book and they have a couple of toys but it's they don't have the action figure stuff it's just yeah. A creepy guy behind the counter who knows everything about every comic book ever, and then just nothing but racks and racks of books, new books, old books. There's um, bound stuff together. He's got everything. But again, I feel like I need a chaperone when I go in there. Have you heard Tripod's song, Hot Girl in the Comic Shop? No. <laughs> oh, yes. Search it on YouTube. I shall find that. They're, they're an Australian group who are absolutely fabulous. Are they Australian or are they Kiwis? I can't remember. I believe they're Australian, but... I know there's I'm a bunch ignorant. of those comedy know. bands from Australia and New Zealand, and I can never keep straight which ones are which, so... I believe they're Australian, but they're the I ones who do could the, be wrong. the theme for Mash Guy song. Yes, right? yes, they favorites. do. Yes, I've made a note. I'm going to Google that. Well, Sarah, what took you to the comic book shop? Then? So I graduated from college with a bachelor's degree in creative writing because that's a useful degree <laughs> to have. Actually, oh, yeah. it actually, actually really is. I almost dual majored in art history, which would have made it even more useless. Um, and right out of school, I actually landed an IT job as a technical writer. I was stoked. IT is where the money is around here, and, and you can always find work in there. And then when they found out I wanted to go to grad school, they fired me. Um, I had no intention of missing any work to go to school. I, I don't know why it mattered to them, but they, they laid me off after, like, I think three and a half months. I, I had no job anymore, and I got kind of disillusioned. At that point, and I said, "I'm going to go back to school, and I I want to do that full time and just get it get it done." And so I said, "Where can I work while I'm doing this?" And I'm puttering around my grandparents' house because I was I was living with them at the time, which was very kind of them to let me live rent free for four and a half five grandparents years. Grandparents are awesome. Mm. They liked having me around, so it wasn't entirely a one sided relationship, but somebody to help take the trash out. Serves. Um, there you yes. go. And so I went into the comic book store one day. It was right around the time they rebooted Green Lantern. Um, one of the times they rebooted mm-hmm. Green Lantern. Um, and I had wanted to get back into Green Lantern. And I was like, well, they're on issue like 450. Yeah, there's no way. And then uh, Steve Lubold, the manager there, who is a, an amazing human being, 
uh, just all around amazing human being, said, oh yeah, you know, they're rebooting it, and we got to talking, and he said, so what are you doing right now? And I said, nothing, I got fired, and he goes, well, we're hiring. Steve is one of those people who just, he remembers everything about you, always sees the best in people. Like, I had no thought that I could work in retail. I'm incredibly socially awkward. Um, just, you know, That actually general. is very helpful it, in it a It actually was fine. Yes. And they hadn't, yes. had, they hadn't had any female employees for quite a while. And I think he felt like that was something that they should have, you know, represent a little bit more the percentages of our, of our species. Um, and so diversity, they, they yeah. hired me on cause I knew my stuff and I could work a cash register and put myself through grad school working in the comic book store. Nice. <laughs> that was what I did. And I spent way too much of my paycheck back at the store. <laughs> Dan always jokes that I didn't bring anything home, that it was just all, mm-hmm. you know, it was, I think it was Wednesday when you got your little, yes, your Wednesday stack. is the new comic book day. And you had to bring my little stack home instead of a paycheck. <sighs> <laughs> and I met my husband there. Aww. So he was one of our customers. He was my Sunday regular. Very nice. So. Bless. How fortuitous, because he's a cutie. He is a cutie. So. There's a lot he's of great sassy. chat logs from around that time period where I'm like, there's this guy that comes into the store, and he's really cute, and I really like him, and we talk all the time, and I can't figure out why he's not interested in me. <laughs> he had decided in his head that I was 18 or 19, and I was, you know... 21, 22 at the time, and for some reason in his head he had decided if I wasn't old enough to drink, I wasn't old enough for him to date me, and so he had just written me off. Oh, bless. <laughs> and so at some point we were having a conversation, and I went, yeah, ever since I turned 21 or whatever, something along those lines, and he went like, click, wait a second, so it was kind of funny. Bless. It was incredibly frustrating, though. Well, you know, there, there is a huge difference between 18 and 21. Mm-hmm. Huge. Mm. So I would definitely agree with that. And not just the the legal drinking part. No, so. it, it's, it's, it amazes me the amount of maturity that somebody goes through in that very short period of time. Yeah, just watching my stepson, because I, when I met his father, he was about thirteen, and he's twenty one years old now. Um, and the amount of change in just that period of time has been truly astonishing. So. Hopefully it's fun he won't to watch. listen to this because he gets embarrassed when he finds out that I've been talking about him. Aww. Well, now it'll be on the podcast. It's adorably embarrassed, too. Oh, you He's can tag the crap out of it. He gets a little blushy, and it's really cute. When we put it on Facebook, we'll tag the crap out of it with his name. <laughs> great. Do you have a baby picture? Because I'll just put I, it on there. Somewhere in the house, icon. I know we have some. Because I think there's a box of stuff from when he was living with his, with his mom there back you go. in the day. So. We'll add it onto the icon. That's, that's a little cruel. I, 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 I think that's just a smidge. It, well, if it's really cute. Of course, he's a Marine now, isn't he? Yeah. Ooh, right. So, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. All the way. He'll love yep. it. He can handle it. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of loving, let's start with the menu, because I'm loving what I've been reading and watching and um, catching up on. And I really want to bring up X-Men before I forget, because I have a million questions, and you guys have a lot more a lot more X-Men cred, comic book cred than, I, than I've got. I'm still kind of, I'm only like three years out of the closet. So I'm still learning. <laughs> well, I will say I was a DC person primarily, um, and to some extent still am, um, but I was the right age to watch the original X-Men cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't watch, I guess it's X-Men Evolved or whatever, the other, the other cartoon. The new I one. didn't watch that one. I've heard it's amazing. Um, and there's a lot of great superhero kids cartoons right now. The all the Justice League ones are fantastic. So, you know, why not? Cartoons are for grown-ups too. 
Um, but I, I have read X-Men sort of off and on. Like, I read some of Joss Whedon's run on Ultimates, I guess. Um, and so I read them here or there. Steve has a long box, which is approximately 300 issues, right, of X-Men comics that he has not read a single one of them. Because You're kidding. a friend of his gave him the whole box. He was going on TDY or something and needed to get rid of this box of comics, and Steve said, well, I'll take it. So I've read some of those. He hasn't read any of them. So, well, See, I... <laughs> When when I worked in the comic book shop, I would actually buy two copies of X-Men. There was the reading copy and the put in the little wrapper with the card, you know, the, the, well, the I white I never gloves quite got to that point. I, I did. You know, I have, like, some I have I would five buy boxes of that crap in my basement. So, but anyhow, so I, when, when I was in college, I devoured X-Men. It was my absolute favorite comic. X-Men. X Force, X Factor, Factor X. X Factor. I mean, believe me, I alphabetized that box of X Men comics, so I know just how many titles there were. So you know, I, I actually have my cousin who had the collection when I was very young. She has the very original X Men. It's one eighty five, one eighty six when they first became the Uncanny X Men. Right. So we have that one, wow. which is wow. cool. So I um. I'm big on the X-Men. They are my favorites. And it, it's always funny to me because when I would occasionally catch it on television, because I didn't get to watch the, the series, the animated series when they were on television. Either my kids were too young or whatever. Right, because your kids are enough younger that they're right. almost a whole separate generation. Yes. So, so From the X-Men cartoon watching generation. Exactly. Yeah. So, But for me, the X-Men that I was interested in were not the ones that were on the animated shows. So it's, you know, you'd have this Gambit. Who was this Gambit person? I My sister loves Gambit passionately. And when I worked at Phoenix, then Phoenix, now Laughing Ogre, <laughs> previously Burke, right? It's just, ah, all these name changes. Um, when I worked there, they had his first appearance up on the shelf, like 40 bucks, which is, on the one hand, not a lot of money. But on the other, when you're, you know, <laughs> making $9 an hour and already spending it all on comics, it's kind of, uh. um, but for my sister's birthday one year, I, I finally got up on the ladder and got it down and bought it for her, um, and it's in her house now. I think it may actually have stayed in a box the last time they moved, but she's like, I gotta get a frame for it, and I gotta get the, the glass that doesn't allow the UV through so it doesn't get damaged, and she's got all these grand ideas, and I'm like, nice. yeah. have you read it? And she goes, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> she won't take that's, it out. That's kind of wrong. You know, and it, speaking as the woman who would buy two copies so she could have the one without the little crinkles well, along the spine. Well, you but can buy the bound volumes of not even recent ones necessarily. A lot, of, they'll have a lot of the, they call the them trade paperbacks. Yeah. The, or the, the big quarto trade paperbacks that'll have big chunks that you can go back and read without having to mm-hmm. mess with the old issues. So. But, you know, like for me, when the X-Men first came out, you know, and you had Wolverine with Rogue. You know, that was that was their relationship. And and as an oldie, I was a little put off by that because Wolverine is supposed to have that relationship with Kitty Pride. Mm-hmm. And I understand why they did it, because in the long run, Rogue is a much more interesting character than mm-hmm. Kitty Pride. Um, I love Kitty Pride. She's one of my favorites. But Rogue has all this history and mm-hmm. trauma. Well, and her powers and- are kind of one of those white elephant type of things. Like, Kitty Pride's powers are cool and don't right. get her in too much trouble, but Rogue has, like, a lot of angst over her. Well, she can't touch people. She's dangerous. Can you imagine yeah. never being able to touch someone? That's just awful. Well, in the movies, 
Because that's where I... That's My pull is from the cartoons. So I grew up being annoyed by Kitty Pride because she was just such a brat in the, car, in the, yeah. in the cartoon. Uh, Rogue was whiny and constantly bitching about something. Oh, yeah. So I guess we're not going to have the rated G anymore now. <laughs> oh, well. Um, and that's the first swear word of the evening for you folks. Ding, ding. Here we go. Um, we'll just ding every time we see the. I'll do we'll it. We'll be dinging a lot. I maybe. know, I know. If you've opened that door, <laughs> well, I'm just gonna go back to... over and, and just bleep it. That's... We'll take it out in post. We never take it out in post. Um, in the films, I think that they. I don't feel like they developed the characters in any way. I think Anna Paquin made Rogue very whiny and annoying, like she was in the comic, like she was in the cartoon. Um, Kitty Pryde didn't really do anything until this latest movie. And even then, it was just, it wasn't a lot. You just, it was more about her ability than her personally. And then that was an ability I had no idea about. The whole, like, getting into your brain and sending you back in time thing. That must have developed with her as with time. I, I, I really actually kind of have a problem with any kind of time travel thing always... You know, you have to put the, the suspension of disbelief blinders on. Yeah, there's a specific type of suspension and, of disbelief you, know, you have to have for yeah. time travel because it comes with its own challenges for that. But was that originally part of her character or is that just a device that they put in because they had to send somebody back? I, I, I do not recall. I believe it was a device because I believe in the original comic she sent herself back. You know, because that's what she does is she phases herself through... Yeah. And space normally, and apparently time and space. Um, but the whole phasing somebody else back seemed a little bit contrived to me. But it's a movie, and you well, have and there to is have a strong history of time travel within the X Men comics. You've got the whole thing with Cable, who body slides back and forth, and right. for a little while, of course, has to take Deadpool with him, which is always very entertaining. I have heard. I have heard that there may be a Cable Deadpool appearance together in an upcoming film. Not necessarily a Cable Deadpool movie or another Deadpool movie with Cable in it, but perhaps in a new X-Men film. That will be cool. Yes. Okay. And those are always my favorite. I'm a huge Deadpool fan. Um, I don't like to say that too much because most of the people who are huge Deadpool fans are obnoxious. So I kind of keep that on the down low. But he and Cable, their interactions are amazing. There's chit-chat of those two being in X-Men Apocalypse in there the you next go. iteration. I, I'm, I'm looking rumor. forward to that. Who thought that um, I, I loved Quicksilver in this? Yes. He had you know, way too little screen time. He, mm. he, I, and I, I, I loved the throwaway line that, you know, my mom used to know a guy who did that. Mm-hmm. And then there's... The Scarlet Witch sitting on his lap watching television. Oh my gosh, are we doing spoilers? I'm sorry. Oh yeah, we can spoiler. Okay, okay, sorry. We we usually give people about a week, and it's been out for at least two. And this is probably isn't going to post. It might have, it'll post either this week or next week. So. Okay, all right. But anyway, I just I loved that, and I'm. It, it's interesting to see that because the X Men, I believe they're owned by Paramount. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to have them, but then you've also got them coming up in the next right. Avengers movie. I've always wondered how they were going to make I'm that I'm really work. curious how they're going to do that. It really bothered me when I found out that um, the Fantastic Four and Spider-Man could not be together well, because of the rights issues. Because one of the things that I was looking forward to when they did the symbiote sequence in the Spider-Man movies was Reed Richards is the one he goes to for help. 
There's actually a great Spider-Man comic. Actually, it might be a Fantastic Four, but it's from one of those, where he goes to read. They manage to get the, the symbiote off of him, and then he doesn't have any clothes, right? Because he was naked underneath. And so they give him a spare Fantastic Four jumpsuit, but he doesn't have a mask, and he's like, I can't be seen in this Fantastic Four jumpsuit. Nobody, you know, secret identity. Yeah. So they give him like a paper bag. So he's walking around <laughs> Manhattan trying to get home. I, I have to go find this. Yeah, it, it's That's been a hilarious. long time. I may be remembering it totally incorrectly, but my memory of it is that he is like got a paper bag on his head and he's wearing a Fantastic Four jumpsuit. And nice. Cool. It, it, you may not remember, but back in the day there was a show called The Gong Show. Mm. Mm-hmm. And there was this comedian. character, the unknown comedian. Yes. Yes, I remember. I'm, I'm familiar. Yeah, so. I, I have lovely memories of that. Lovely, lovely memories of that. That's awesome. <laughs> I watched it on Nick at Night, so you guys can judge me as harshly as you wish for being a baby. But that's We'd it. love you. Going back to the movie. So Sorry. at the very, very... Oh, no, no, no. I love it on track, right? But no, but you, I'm getting a lot of information that I didn't have that's really interesting about the characters and about the... That's why I'm, I was thrilled that you guys could chat because... You need that for the movies, I think. And I know that I don't have the time to sit and read all the trade books. So I love getting that information from the people who have it like already stored away. You know, one of my favorite parts in the movie is is the throwaway scenes, like in Xavier's school. And you go, oh, that's so-and-so. Yeah. And that's yeah. so-and-so. Oh, look, it's Kurt Weiss. And, you know. Yeah. So it's just, I love that. When, when, when he turns, when Logan comes back and he sees... He's walking through really slowly, and he's kind of gaining himself back. And then, when I all you see is the hair, and I, I choked up a little, but I was with Colin and John, and I didn't want to cry in front of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I was just, and then I saw Scott, and I was so thrilled. It was wonderful. And is this a real? Is this a reboot now? Or is this? Have we? Have Somebody we... did a really great recap where they went through and act and pulled all the films, and it's on. Um, I'm sure Steve found it on Reddit, but I, I saw it on Imager. Um, and they do a whole sequence where they go through all the different movies and all the timeline stuff and kind of lay out, you know, history as it is currently written for it. And so I, I read through a lot of that stuff. And it, so it's not really a reboot. It's just all the best things from one and two. Mm. And basically they just wrote off three. Um, and so the, the, the one that a lot of people were complaining about is how is Xavier even alive at the beginning of Days of Future Past? Right. But ostensibly, Xavier has a twin brother who was comatose at birth and has just been kept alive forever. And when he died in X3, I guess he, the theory is he put his consciousness in the twin and has spent all this time building the body up to be functional because it's been a vegetable for all these years or something like that um which i don't know if that's canon is the, or something made that up something or... like a, a post uh, a post crawl se- like a secret scene i just don't isn't remember. there a secret scene at the end of one of those where there's somebody just kind of wakes up in a hospital i i have this vision of someone laying in a hospital bed and all of a sudden their eyes open i i don't remember i don't I, remember I've, that uh, but... x3 is one of those little black holes in my brain sort of like uh, the most recent indiana jones movie and uh two of the three star wars prequels um, you mean in, the fan films? <laughs> they're in little pockets of memory where I'm sure if I wanted to access them, I would, but I don't. Know. I just I'm I'm not sure how I feel about having Jean Grey back because I, I mean 
I love it's dark just Phoenix. A, a chance to hate Cyclops some more, right? <laughs> well, oh, of course. The, thing, the sad scene. thing is, in the movies, you re- he's really set up as being this like you know massive, but in the comics, he's, he's a very not. interesting he's a, and nuanced yes. character, and he can be kind of a jerk. But it's all out of a sense of responsibility and. And also, I like the fact that they've started to include Havoc more, because mm. the Summers family is yes. a yes. big deal, multiple generations. Cable is a Summers, and well, Havoc is, it, is, is a Summers, it, and Scott. Is, is their dad the one who's in, um, this, the, the one that Guardians of the Galaxy came before? The, he, he, you know, the, the spaceship, the, 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 um, the hmm. space pirates one. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm blanking on this. You can do it. I can do it. I'm sure out there, whoever's listening will be like, they, no, they it's will this. know who it is. But if, if I remember correctly, and it's entirely possible I'm not, their dad is captain of this pirate, space pirate ship flying around the galaxy saving the universe. And it's tied into Guardians of the Galaxy. But I don't know how because my brain is mush. That's okay. <laughs> we haven't been drinking that much, we just started. Yeah, it was mush before I got here. Oh, okay. Well, then so, I take yeah. no responsibility. Just filling in the gaps, and this was cheese with alcohol. That's all. And, and it could totally be something I made up in the back of my head. Yeah, I like that, that though. Yeah, I like it. Is they've rebooted and changed and retconned and shifted around, and they've done crossovers and tie-ins to the point where I don't think there's a person alive who can keep track of all those things and still have a functional life doing anything else. <laughs> like I could, I could probably do that, but I would forget. How to read? You know, you really English, have to be like, like it would, you'd have to be independently wealthy, so that you have you could, all the time in the world. So you have all the time in the world, and then you really would have to devote yourself to doing nothing but reading, taking and notes, and, yeah. like you would have. I would have a wall of whiteboard, lots of magnets, and it'd be like a beautiful mind. Would, you'd have I, I have you would tell you that yeah. sounds fabulous. Yeah, I, I, I would love that, that job. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be awesome. The amount of, I mean, I would have PowerPoint page, PowerPoint presentations on every single theory that I had in place. I always thought it would be great to have a job because my my dream career would be to be an editor for a fiction publishing house to edit novels. Like, that's the unattainable dream goal. I'm very happy with my teaching career, but if somebody walked up to me and said, you could go work for, you know, Penguin or Daw or anybody like that and edit fiction for the rest of your life, I'd say, done, sold. When when I was in high school, that would would have been my dream job. Somebody but, pay me to read books. Right, but the, the biggest thing was because I am super attentive to continuity in in series that I'm reading, and it drives me crazy when it's like no, but two books ago you said her name was Catherine, and now it's Cameron, and like you know th- those little things bother me intently. Yeah. I I bought Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince the week it came out, hard hard copy. And I was going on a flight somewhere, and so I was like, perfect, I'll read it on the plane. I read about 100 pages an hour. I'm a natural speed reader. I could have finished the book on the plane. I get to page 10, and there's a homophone error. It's sight and sight. And I'm like, this is a book for children. I got really incensed. And I underlined it, and I put a sticky. And I could not read any further. So I read the in-flight magazine instead. And when I got home, I got... I found an email for Scholastic Books, and I emailed them, and I said, Scholastic, there's a typo on page 10 of Half-Blood Prince. You've got to fix this. 
And they emailed me back and said, thank you. We'll make sure it's corrected in the next edition. And I was able to sit down and read the rest of the book. And I read the rest of the book in one sitting. <laughs> That's no, I, I, I understand. Because so. when there's a book like that, the new Harry Dresden came out. And I actually took the day up, off. So. I took the day off after Memorial Day from work because it dropped the midnight yeah. of Memorial Day. So at midnight, I downloaded it onto my e-reader and I was up all night yeah. reading the new Harry Dresden because it was I, that's that's my preferred mode of reading and you don't get to do that often you have to yeah. set up a block of time to that's just... why I haven't started reading I read the Temeraire books mm. um, I don't know if you guys are familiar they're set in the Napoleonic era and the premise is basically the world is exactly as it was in real life except there are dragons nice. so Napoleon has dragons the British have dragons they're a major part of the military force and the books are centered around a particular dragon named Temeraire, who's very intelligent. All the dragons speak and everything. They're, they're intelligent creatures, but it's him and his captain. They become inseparable, and there's a whole storyline. And a new one just came out a few months ago, and I haven't had time to just sit down and consume it, and so I haven't touched it. Who writes them? Now that you ask, I don't know. Yeah. I had it in my head like 10 seconds ago when I was How talking about that. How do you spell that? Because I have the power of the people. T-E-M-E-R-E-R-A-I-R-E. Wait, no, I think I got that wrong. T-E-M-E-R-A-I-R-E. There it is. It found it. Found it. I missed a letter. Naomi Novik. There you go. I will have to check it out. They're very good. I'll put a little note in there in the show notes. And a friend of mine who's a huge Napoleonic era like history nerd claims that they are incredibly accurate historically. Down to things like clothing and, and nice. That is cool. Well, then I don't were to, have that background in that particular era to know that, but so if you were to sit down it and seems actually very authentic, put so. the books together for like an X Men and try and create an actual canon timeline, you might explode because there are just I, I I in the in the DC world there's just too many changes from world to world to world and there's no yeah. way to keep it all straight. So I've stopped reading DC comics. Well, because I can't when take they it. had I guess it was it was in the late 80s they had the, the the their universe thing where they essentially had the multiverse and they rewrote yeah. every single storyline in their canon. It was a great way to sell comic books because you stories would jump from you know comic book to you know series to series to series, and you had to have all of them mm-hmm. in order to get the entire story. It was great. They did a lot of that with the Bat Family but comics annoying. for DC. <laughs> it just it's I'm tired of the change. There really is no canon left as far as a lot of these comic books go, and and it's hard for someone like myself who got into it a little late. To find a beginning spot, so I've I've been using the movies as my beginning spot, and then learning side tangentially. What are the pieces I need to know? Does this seem really accurate? Like the Wolverine movies, I can completely live without. I was really disappointed what they did in the first one. The second one, I got 15 minutes in and I turned it off. I just didn't care. But which is unfortunate because I think Hugh Jackman has done a really excellent job portraying the complexity of that character. I, and well, I, I'm, I'm actually afraid to go see Although the, he's the, way the, too The tall. second one is set in Japan, right? Yes. Yeah. Now, see, Wolverine had his own miniseries mm-hmm. at one point, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure that this movie covers that miniseries. I loved that miniseries, and so I haven't been able to see that right. movie yet because I just, I love that story arc and his love with Michiko, is that her name? Oh my gosh, it's been so long since I've read them. But, you know, that story arc and that romance was just so beautiful and powerful. 
I'm talking about a comic book being beautiful and powerful, but there you go. Well, and then, you know, you there. go to this movie. You, I, I didn't want to ruin my memories yeah. of that with the movie. And I, I just can think see I that. want I to totally live in a world that. where the Ken Watanabe character in that movie and the Ken Watanabe character in Godzilla are the same person because I think that would be tremendously <laughs> That would be an amazing I love to do that. I love to imagine like, okay, so this, this, these two people are played by the same actor. Uh, what if they're the same person? And I just love to go off on those weird... Of course, that's, you know... Just like somebody did that with Leonardo DiCaprio. They said that um, his character in Titanic and Gatsby and Inception are all the same person and figured out a way to stitch them all together. And, like, that's why he wakes up on the beach. And there's a whole thing. That's why he's afraid of swimming pools and Gatsby. And, of course, it's all uh, BS, you know. I but, love but it's that. great. It's, it's fantastic. That's, that's so. delicious. That's human beautiful. beings are incredibly talented at pattern recognition. Mm. And so, and even if a pattern doesn't exist, you can make one. So Yes. I, 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 it's, it's very, I read an article about that recently and, but it's true. I love the whole, we, we do. Where, the where we there is no pattern, no connection, whatever, we will create it. Indeed. I tried to explain that to my students in my, um, my upper level class because it's more focused on literature and I tried to express to them, it's like your brain is happy to find these connections if you're willing to look for them. Like it's not... It's not easy, necessarily, to say, okay, I need three books that have the same theme, go. But once you figure out how to unlock those, your mind is excited to do that because it's sort of what it's built for. It's how, it's how we survive as a species is we identify things in common and things apart. Well, it's, it's like the whole facial recognition thing where we see faces where, in fact, there are no faces. Mm-hmm. And the theory was that, you know, Neanderthal man... Who's the one who's going to survive to reproduce? The one who does not recognize something in the corner of his eye or the one who does? And so it's our nature to see faces even when there aren't. Mm-hmm. If you see a face out the of the corner of your on eye. The, on the glass in my shower bother me because they frequently form faces. And I'm like, stop that. No. <laughs> so. But, you know, if That's you see the face on the corner of your eye mm-hmm. and it's not a real face... You just no gave foul. yourself a little bit of a jump, yeah. and you're all It right. is a face. Yeah. You may have saved your life. So, you know, it's it's a survival trait. I was watching something recently to just totally keep going down this rabbit hole about, you know, prehistoric human species leading up to our current Homo sapiens. And I believe it was Neanderthals they were talking about. They, there's a skeleton that had, like, all of his fingers had been broken and healed. And it's like, I can't imagine... I can't imagine. And it was incredibly cold where they were, and they were just walking around and like practically nothing. And I'm like, I'm really glad that I'm alive now because that sounds awful. Like, just, just, kind of just dealing with the pain and the, and the discomfort. It's like I'm a I'm a wimp, man. I'm, I'm like, I, oh I, man, my thermostat's turned to seventy, and it should be seventy two. Oh, guys, I, I even even a hundred years ago, I wouldn't have wanted to, to live in that time period. Can you imagine childbirth a hundred years ago? My great grandmother died from an infection from pricking her finger while sewing. Mm-hmm. That's so. why they invented thimbles yeah. to prevent needle death. Yeah, according to Eddie Izzard. Uh, I, 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 anything he says, I take as fact. You know, Centuriana, Centuriata, Centuriata. You know, like, yeah, okay. Sounds like a plan. I actually posted the gif of him going "ciao" the other day. On <laughs> oh yes, so. oh yes. Um, one thing I did want to ask both of you. At the end of, um, you know, the little end credits scene that they always give you the little soupçon of what's coming. So there's, you see the figure and you hear people chanting and you see a pyramid coming together. 
and it's stone, so it's not, you know, it's not Magneto. Who, I, I, I... I saw that, and I thought, well, this is someone from the past. This is how the pyramids were built. You okay. know, it wasn't slaves dragging them over sand, you know, dampened sand or, or whatever. That's how those fabulous models were It was somebody said it was, that made those. That person though. was the it worst. Wasn't, it was the Gould. It wasn't. Well, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, somebody was saying Don't that. Don't cross the, the streams. Don't cross the streams. <laughs> that, that, that is the first powerful mutant of note like i don't i don't know if that's something that's in the comics that i just never read about but I, in that little recap thing is there a critter in somebody the somebody mentioned that there's a i i in the world that did that or does that i i can't I actually know. i i it would not surprise me if somewhere in the comics because now that you say that i see in my brain right? I, I see the, wait no no, no that's another no, thing that's, no. a, oh, that's a whole other genre <laughs> i can almost see the comic in my head and yet that could be my brain creating it based exactly. on what you just said so exactly. i don't i, I don't know. know i don't know but it's cool yeah it's pretty neat makes a lot more sense doesn't it yeah i had a um i had a college professor older older scottish gentleman fanta- fantastic human being amazing um, and he had all kinds of interesting theories about about how that worked. Um, because there's no historical evidence for large populations of enslaved peoples in Egypt. Um, and so that may not, you know, the problem with any kind of history, anthropology, etc., is not everything is preserved. And so the absence of evidence is not, is evidence not conclusive. Exactly. Yes. Um, but he was convinced that had that happened the way it's presented, you know, in the Old Testament that there would be more evidence of it. The current, I believe the current theory is that it they utilized the rising and falling of the Nile, and because of the way seasons worked in Egypt, there was a time period of the year where all the farmers and everybody had nothing to do because they couldn't actively farm because the Nile was in flood, and it was a good time to move heavy stones, and so they just hired the people who would normally be sitting around waiting for it to be planting season again. Nobody knows, I mean... I'm not saying it's aliens, but well, it's your first... Let's just put it out there, because you know this is the truth. You know that 5,000 years ago, teeny tiny baby fluffy Jesus came and made everything for us and made everything look old so that everything just makes us feel like we're all from the past. But we all know that sweet fluffy baby Jesus made it all. I recently met a creationist who tried to convince me that everything was indeed made 5,000 years mm. ago. And I said, sure, everything that's 5,000 years old was made 5,000 years ago. <laughs> uh, everything else, you can believe what you want to believe. I'm gonna I think part of the reason why ahead. that's such a large movement in the United States is because there's really nothing that old here. Like, you have to really dig to find something I, I, that old in the I, US. I, I have to say that T-Rex. for me, what... <laughs> I have family in the South, and so we went down to um, Endless Caverns, I believe it's called. It's the largest undersea lake, underwater Mm -hmm. lake in the United States. And it was so disturbing to me to watch the guides tiptoe around geological age. (laughs) You know, here is this fossil embedded in the wall, and yet nowhere in that entire place do they talk about geological age, geological epochs. They can't. It's, it's, we'll see. Well, now I can't talk to my mom about episodes of Cosmos. She's not a creationist, but she's religious enough that scientific explanations of the creation of the universe 
are skeptical. She's skeptical of them. Did Did you ever see the the Sagan Cosmos? I watched a few of them. Um, I know we actually watched them in a couple of my science classrooms. I mean, I, I I love the Neil deGrasse Tyson. The first mm. one was. A, a little slow, but I think that it was it, it was necessary as an introduction for people who right. are not as well educated in the whole cosmic time thing. Mm. But did you see the thing Steve posted? They showed it on um, at midnight. It was the Neil deGrasse Tyson stone, and they just yes. pulled the whole thing down. Oh, it's yes. like, well, on, can you on, see me? Can you hear me? Well, that's from oh. the Will Wheaton Project, yeah. which I think is. Oh, I'm sorry, it was Will Wheaton Project. It was yeah. not at midnight. I'm excited for that. For our close personal friend, Will Wheaton, with whom we've vacationed. Yes, we do like our Will Wheaton. (laughs) Who has no inside voice. We're going to talk about the nerd cruise, I guess. Okay. When we were doing doing the Celebrity Artemis training (sighs) for the nerd cruise. So fun. He was so funny. He was so By far strange. It was definitely strange in the training room because it was much later. So Artemis is a... How do you... It's a starship bridge bridge simulator. Um, That is a whole crazy lot of fun. That we taught the celebrities on the boat how to play. And then they would play it up on the dais on on, on the stage, and everybody would watch them play. And that was great. And it was crazy. It was silly. And, of course, Will Wheaton played the captain, like he should. And made passes at Hank Green. Right. Which, This year was a little... The Vlog Brothers, which is... Just, it was fabulous. Oh, it was adorable. There's video of it every. There's a and ton of video drunk of it drunk Grant Imahara. So this year it was much later than usual than it was supposed to be. So the, the actual show wasn't until mid... Until... At, it was at midnight. Was <laughs> um, so they had been drinking. And Ann and I were in their training. And Grant Imahara is all of 92 pounds. And had been trying <laughs> to keep up. I what a tiny, tiny man he's, he is. You can put him in your pocket. Just yeah. wee so tiny. And he'd been drinking and keeping up, and our friend Colin was training him and asked him, okay, you're learning Helm, just exactly how much have you been drinking? And Grant Amharo's response was, a lot. And Colin said, great, for Helm, that's what you need. <laughs> Be drunk. So that, and, and... So he flew the ship backwards I did hear times. that uh, drunk Storm came along, fixed it, and then walked away. Oh, yes. Which Storm is his Colin superpower. Storm. His ability to just stagger onto the stage and do things and then leave again is, is legendary. So. so, shameless plug, if... If you want the awesomeness of the internet on a boat in the middle of the Caribbean. With no access to the internet. In February. <laughs> but it's live internet. Because we're all, we, we have it. You're making it. JocoCruiseCrazy.com. You want to go. You definitely want to go. Maybe some point we can take over the whole ship. It's totes and balls. I don't know if we want to take over the whole ship. Cause well, because you have can't to fit start. everybody in one venue at once yeah. anyway, right? So. I, like, I like that there's a limit. I think yeah. we had 800... This year? Something like that. 700, 800, something That's there. plenty. That was pretty But good. there's still plenty of berths available. What was really funny was we went on the, the one last year. It was our first first time, my first cruise of any kind ever. And we didn't know a soul. We, did, we had never met a single person on the cruise. Like that was, and it was amazing. Um, oddly enough, started finding weird friend connections like Bino Gopal uh, is a friend of a friend of my very dear ex-boyfriend who lives in California. Like, they they work in the same circles. They are not particularly close friends, but they've met each other. And so to get home and have new friends on Facebook and suddenly see people that you didn't know knew each other, like, talking on Facebook and stuff is kind of, kind of and bizarre. And then how, how wide the net is where you're from. So my friend Marley, who... Well, we're a little spoiled because the D.C. area is the... 
I think the largest concentration followed it is. by like Portland. But there's a bunch of there are a bunch of concentrations. So my friend Marley, who I roomed with, who I've known for years, she moved from Boston to San Francisco and then months later came on the cruise and was had thought, Okay, well I'm sure I could find some she was meeting new people there, but it's always hard when you move to a new new she's on the other side of the country. So with this new collective of sea monkeys from the Joko Cruise, immediately there was, I mentioned it to someone, oh, you're from San Francisco, so Marley. Great, there's like 60 of us. Wonderful. And so now, like, she and I barely have time to chit-chat because she's hanging out with the monkeys from over there, which is fantastic. And they're friggin' everywhere. They're from all over the world. There was... We're actually going to see two of the... Tom Wells, yes. Sweet little Tom Wells. We're we're going to see two of the the British sea monkeys, actually, in August. We're we're going back to the UK, and and we're going to go to Leeds and hang out with them for a few days. Nice. Awesome. Very nice. Which ones are you going to go see? Uh, Black Pig and Victoria. Excellent. Yeah, Yeah, I was so disappointed that they didn't come last year, but I can understand. He's very eco-friendly, and the... A cruise ship is not Probably an eco-friendly, eco-friendly place venue, you and yeah. his, his conscience just couldn't allow it. And I can understand I that. that. I respect that. I really do. I respect do. that a lot. Very cool. I've been not conscious at all by, about keeping to our whatevers to the list. We did talk about shows. We talked about movies. We talked about games. Next. Anyway, so then, then there, well, there's movies that are coming out. Like last night, yesterday, we saw the... Um, the advert for Lucy, which I love that she's named Lucy, uh, with um, Scarlett Johansson, and she's... Have you seen the, the preview? I have not. So I've it's not, this no. neat little preview where there's this girl, and she's abducted, and she's wakes up, and there's an incision in her gut, and she's being used to ferry something from one place to another, to mule something, but it leaks into her body, and she starts having all these strange oh, things you know what? happening, Actually, and then there's I the... Con- trailer for it ahead of... Godzilla, maybe. Yes. So it's because it's on top of Godzilla, it's on top of X Men, and it's supposed to be, it was supposed to be attached to Maleficent as well. It was not attached to Maleficent. Which we can talk about because I'm looking forward to that unless I hear otherwise. I thought it was fabulous. Really? I loved it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to do a bio break. Okay. (laughs) Because I don't think Sarah was real excited about the movie anyway. No, not the least. Yeah. Oh, good. The mic picked that up. So that's great. (laughs) No, I loved Maleficent. Um, I love the layers she gets. I'm not a big Angelina Jolie fan. Mm. So when they first said that she was going to be Maleficent, I was like, but just her cheekbones alone are a character. So I, I, I loved the nuance they gave it. I loved the backstory. You know, nobody becomes evil for no reason mm. um so i i really i i enjoyed that part i liked the fact that you know maleficent did go a little all the way to the dark side wow all the way um so it was i i don't want to spoil it but it it, it was a beautiful movie good story Abs- good story visually compelling um, no granny I, moments? No, not really. I, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I, again, I don't want to, to spoil it, but I, I, w- I would say go see it. Now, of course, some people are going to go see it and go, oh, they ruined it. And I'm really sorry that I told you to go see a movie that you think they ruined, but suck it up, princess. <laughs> 
I I always loved Maleficent in general. I thought she was the most elegant of the baddies. Oh yeah. She was my and Sleeping Beauty is my favorite story. I love the the um, the three godmother fairy godmothers are my, that it's one of the most delicious stories that I enjoy specifically for Maleficent because her demeanor and her being is 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 just divinely deliciously okay, evil. This is not going to air until well a, probably in another week. So by the time people hear this, I'm sure it, Maleficent. Will Are you out planning on going to go see it? I am planning to go and see okay, it. Okay, well then I won't spoil it. Okay, that's. Am so I the good. only nerd on the face of the earth who is not bothered in the least by spoilers? I I, I just, like the surprise. It doesn't in any way lessen my. Enjoyment. I like to be respectful of other people. Um, oh no! I, you know, but I don't, there is, I don't as far as I'm things, concerned, there is an expiration date on spoilers. Yes, yes, there, there is. is. I did actually. I had a brief moment. Um, two of my students were talking about Game of Thrones, and I have not been watching. Somebody had mentioned to me I had missed the episode where Dracarys burns everything, right? Mm. And so I went and watched just that scene on YouTube. And two of my students were talking about. It. I was like, yeah, I, I went back and watched that, and they were like, oh. That was last season. And I so wanted to be like, oh, yeah? Well, three episodes from now. Because I've read the books, right? (laughs) (laughs) It was really tempting to tell them, like, oh, yeah, well, this character that you thought was safe is going to die. Which is a safe way to not spoil Game of Thrones because it happens every every ten minutes. Well, everybody dies in that stupid... I do have to tell you one of the things, because I have read the books. And I I I love the books. I read all but the most recent one. Um, and, and I like the show. We don't actually have cable. We're cord cutters. So I, I get to watch the whole season after the DVDs come right. out. But I watch the highlight reel on YouTube on Monday after Game of Thrones okay. airs on Sunday. So I get all the high points. And then I'm on Reddit reading this commentary, what people are saying. Because I, I have to be have in the know. Have you watched the bad lip reading one? Where they decided to take like the first season of Game of yes. Thrones and do it as, <laughs> yes. a, as a movie about a renaissance fair? But it's anyway, really one of the things I really loved is that in a scene a few weeks ago... Maybe it was the first one of this season. There was a scene at the end where they had taken the bait. The White Walkers had taken the baby. Mm -hmm. And this, you know, regal figure comes forward to collect it. Well, in a promo piece on it, not even the credits or whatever, just some kind of promo piece, they name that character. So it's a spoiler because he hasn't been introduced in the books other than tangentially. Okay. He's been spoken about sort of maybe kind of but he hasn't really been introduced in the books so it was like the show spoilered the books that's really cool well you know so, it's, it's uh, funny when they do things like that like i bought the soundtrack to phantom menace when the movie came out and the movie was not out yet um so the movie music is really cool say what you will about that movie but all the star wars movies have incredible music mm-hmm. The great John Williams. And uh, on the back of the CD case, there's a track called Qui-Gon's Noble End. What do you think that means? Aww. Are they singing about his ass? Hmm. Well, I mean, it is Liam Neeson, so maybe. Um, but, no. And then, of course, you, know, you, you go into the movie and it's like, yeah, so there's a pretty good chance this character croaks because there's a whole track about it. I was just like, really, guys? You know, because Lucas well, normally is much more like all the Lucas properties are much more tight-lipped about that sort of thing, yeah. and they don't leak anything. And I'm like, really, to have it spoiled on? Well, the you know, that film is a fan film. It's not really a. It is I not a true that, studio film. I saw that movie in the theaters eight times because I was too young for the original Star Wars. 
So I watched it all on video. My dad's a big fan, although we're we're a Trek household. I, I I'll just say that now. I mean, the Spock shirt can tell you ladies exactly that. But you know, the Spock shirt. You know who I'm married to, exactly. right? So um, yes. But so your husband, who is going on the mission to Mars? Yes, my husband. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Mr. Mars yeah, so, so I, I was all excited because it was finally a Star Wars for my generation, you know? And I was, but I was very young when Phantom Menace came out, and I went to go see it in the theater, and I immediately recognized that it was not a great movie, but was still so excited that I went back and saw it in theater seven more times. Um, I saw two, episode two once, and could not tell you the story of that movie at all, and I've seen three maybe two or three times, and could only barely tell you the story of that movie. And it broke my little my little nerd heart, and I have never felt the same way about Star Wars since. And I was a I was a Star Wars fan, like, I was, I mean, I was a Star Wars fan, and now I have, like, these very ambivalent, grumbly, indigestion feelings I do have a problem with the, the, the prequels and... The fan films. The fan films. But there's, on the YouTubes, I love the YouTubes. The YouTubes. There is a, uh, there's a bit called Midichlorian Rhapsody. Oh, yes. yes. And it is the Phantom <laughs> Menace set to Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody with the lyrics adjusted appropriately. It's one of my favorite pieces on the YouTubes. And it, it, it makes Phantom Menace bearable. I, I, endlessly, to me, it will be the three Star Wars movies the three fan films, and then soon there will be the um, Star. How did I put it? The Star Wars memorial films. <laughs> the the the. I'm curious to see what's going to happen. There was an article I did pull up that talked about seven things that were supposed to be on there. Let me see if I can grab it. Yeah, see, we we somehow managed to segue into another item on your agenda. I know. Somewhere. How do, we do we, that? <laughs> I have it's, no it, it's a very extensive labyrinthine rabbit hole. Seven big rumors. Apparently, Princess Leah is a grandmother. Chronologically, I think that would make sense. So that's one. But this website is kind of a dick and isn't letting Showing you get on this page. Yes, I hate that. I hate that. So, so am, am I correct in in uh, in my understanding that they've essentially thrown out all the, the extended, extended universe, universe yes. all the books? They're wiping is, those out. It's currently, like, there may be some things that get brought back in, um, but currently it's all no longer canon at all. They're just starting from scratch. We actually, we were out walking through the woods the other day, and we had a conversation about carnivorous trees. And I was like, you know, I bet there's a world in Star Wars that has carnivorous trees. And I'm there like, has wait, to no, be. there probably isn't because they got rid of the extended universe, so there's nothing. <laughs> there is nothing. Um, apparently, there is a spinoff in talks about Han Solo meeting Chewbacca. So another set of fan films, a prequel that go, yeah. go back into time. Um, oh, this. I is- want them to do that like a buddy cop movie. But I love buddy cop movies. Like I love Tango and Cash and to Turner and Hooch. Exactly. Turner and Hooch is a, is a perfect example. <laughs> well, you do look oh, a little God. bit like Hooch. Um, those are one of my favorite lines in Castles. Well, you do remind me a little bit of Hooch. You know. um, but I, I love those movies and they're, they're not good. I mean, as a rule, that genre, they're not good movies. Um, but I Lethal think they're weapon. really underserved. Lethal one, two, weapon, three, four, one five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve, thirteen. There's Lethal four. Weapon, seven, four <laughs> the you know. fourth one is kind of the rom-com one because right. they have a baby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
The third one I love because Rene Russo was delicious and was as badass, if not more, than Mel Gibson. So in that one scene where they're beating people up and then they have the whole, have you seen this card? You have this. That was just, that was a blast. But that is There's a, a scene a little bit like that in uh, the second Swamp Thing movie where the two of the characters are comparing scars. It's pretty funny. Like, I have not seen the second Swamp with Thing. Dick Durock. I saw the perfect name one. to be a guy to play Swamp Thing and Heather Locklear. I, I have not seen oh. that. Oh, no. poor Heather. I can't watch this. That, that to thing. me is kind of like, you know, the, the, there was a straight to DVD. Maybe you were the one telling me about the straight D, to DVD Fantastic Four that they made just so that they could keep their licensing. Yes, it's I, terrible. It's me that told you that, but. I can believe it. It exists, and the DVDs are, have been pulled since because they're all like they were produced, but then not really distributed because it was nobody really knew until the very end that it wasn't even going to go into the theaters. <laughs> can they you imagine didn't... the poor actors in that? So it's, it's but tough. I mean, these poor guys not even knowing that it's I never know, going to. That would be. It was. Uh, can you imagine telling your mom, "I'm going to be in this movie. It's great. I'm so excited." And, and oh never... yeah, no. Yeah, I don't know. No. Batman versus Superman, the sorry we're making this movie movie. Um, apparently, Callan Mulvalli, or whatever his name is, but um, I can't remember this guy. Brody. Adrian Brody. Adrian Brody is going to get, he's listed as possibly playing the Joker. So could there be one more character to ruin this freaking movie? I'm so, not excited. I don't want to see it. I don't like Ben Affleck, and I don't like what they're doing with the Superman character, even though he's very okay, pretty. I... I <laughs> I, I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt, yeah. Because when they first announced that Michael Keaton was going to play the Batman, my jaw hit the floor, and he because it was such a ridiculous notion, and Why he was not because he is Batman. He was not such a bad Batman. No, he really wasn't. Although I think it's been very. Clearly, with all of the the portrayals, there are actors who play Bruce Wayne really well, and actors who play Batman really well, and even Christian Bale, I don't think, did a great job playing both. I think that's a valid point. I do. Mm-hmm. So my my problem is, I love the character of the Joker. I'm a Batman fan. My dad raised me on Batman, um, but I, I love the Joker. Um, he is sort of the iconic Batman villain. He is Batman's nemesis. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot going on with him, psychologically and everything. I would like it if they would just stop putting him in the movies. Um, I, I agree. There are a lot of other interesting Batman villains. It can be tough because they're trying to go for kind of a gritty, realistic thing, and a lot of the Batman villains are cartoony and campish. But there are lots of gritty, realistic, dark, you know, human Bat villains that I think could be... Like, Mr. Zaz would be great for that. Or, you know, a, a lot of the ones that are kind of camp and silly could easily be scripted in. into a more serious position. And I would actually like to see a little bit of humor come back into the Bat movies. Because that's one of the things that was nice about the Keaton ones was they were funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, they're not the 60s Adam West goofy, which I actually did not know were supposed to be. Funny and campy. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. I, for the longest so, time. So, so, what did you I think they the were... animated pow, kapow, I thought they, I thought they thought they were being true to the comics and serious and failing miserably at it. I had no idea that it was deliberately funny. Like, it, for many years, I, I did not know that. Holy so. sarcasm, Batman. I know, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, it, like I said, I think if they were to find someone other than the Joker. I'm sick of the Joker. I love the Joker, right. but I'm sick of him in the movies because he's not a one off. Nemesis. He is 
long-term. A, a long-term. Yeah. You have to build. And the Joker builds. And the same thing with the Riddler. I always thought the Riddler was... He was a builder. There was It wasn't just, bing, I'm a nut job, and I'm going to continue to be a nut job, and then die instantaneously. Um, I need... Did I, you guys read Hush? The, the Batman Hush storyline? No, I didn't. No, I'd heard about um, it. Very good. Uh, it's in two volumes, so you can buy it. Trade paperback. Um... What's funny is I was actually reading it as it was coming out in issues, and I missed an issue, and I was always really upset that I missed it, and then they came out with the trades, and I was able to finally read it. Um, very beautiful art style. It's Lobley and Williams is the, the team on it. And um, the Riddler is not exactly the primary villain, precisely, because it is kind of a villain team-up situation, um, but there's a lot that goes on with the Riddler, and there's actually a great part at the end, and... This has been out for 10 years, so screw the spoilers. But there's a great part at the end where the Riddler's like, I'm going to tell everyone who you are. And Batman says, what time is it when an elephant sits on a fence? And the Riddler goes, time to get a new fence. That's an easy one. Everyone knows that one. And, and Batman says, yes, exactly. Like Everyone knows the answer to the riddle, so it's worthless. And the Riddler kind of goes, ah. And like puts his finger up and then goes, oh, and like, gets all sad. Because he realizes if he tells everyone who Batman is, then... The riddle has been spoiled. So. Which nice. reminds me, there's a great there's a great cartoon. Like I was saying, all the Justice League cartoons are fantastic. And one of the cartoon movies, um, The Flash and Lex Luthor get brain swapped. And there's a great scene where Lex Luthor's like, man, this is a bad day. And he goes, but you know what? I'm going to find out who The Flash is. And he goes in the bathroom and he takes the mask off and he looks in the mirror and he goes, I have no idea who this is. <laughs> <laughs> Because guess what? None of the flashes were ever anyone public right, in their no, real life. Like Joes. Barry Allen and Molly West. They're not real people. They're, they're just regular Joes. They're important people. They're real people. They're, they're normal people. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> Just regular, regular Oh, that Joes. is funny. But yeah, Hush is really good, so I highly recommend. I just, I the more I read about the new Batman v Superman, the apology, um, I, I know that it's just a vehicle for Justice League, but I, I, I'm, I'm just constantly being disappointed every time something comes out it's just another disappointment I really wish they would follow down more of the other characters in DC like Marvel's been doing because there really are a lot of interesting characters I I, I have a question weren't they doing a Wonder Woman film yes apparently we're not ready for a Wonder Woman film so the TV show started (laughs) filming but there were a lot of problems with the plot because no one no one can really there are very few people who can write Wonder Woman well even some of the books I think they I've just read. need to put Gail Simone on a retainer. And... Have to tell you, Knights of Badassdom was <laughs> yes, hilarious. I, love that. <laughs> I still have yet to see that. Honestly, that movie could have been twice as long, and I would have sat and watched it. There was an amazing cast for that film. I still haven't seen it, but well, and it's... I feel like if we had gone back and seen more of each of the characters before the action of the movie started, I would have been totally okay to find out more about them. Mm-hmm. I think I feel like they jumped a little quickly into the you know this is what's going on. I wanted to know more about them. Like, how did they all end up living together? Like, there's some very toss-off lines in that movie that make me go, wait, that sounds but like an interesting story. So. That's, and to me, that's very Whedon-esque. Yeah. I love that. I love jumping into a movie where you're like, you've, you've jumped into the middle, or a book, you've jumped in the right. middle of somebody's life. Yes. And you don't have the, the story build, you don't have the origin story, and you're like, but when, and I, I like those little moments, because it agree. lets my brain play, but... There Go. is a part of me that's not satisfied by that, but it is also, you know, it's, it's small. It's fun. It's different. It's fun. 
But but I think they dropped enough hints in it to right. kind of that, that your brain can fill it in enough that and I right. think and that I that's think it was nice. the type of movie where having the backstory missing was a weakness. I mean, it was fluff. It's a, it's a fun it was adventure fluff. Kind of, it was yeah, fabulous fluff. I, I can't wait to see it. It's it's not on the Netflix yet, but it is on the Amazon Primes yes. that I can rent, rent I, it. It took me a while to realize that that's Jason Stackhouse. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, the, the guy who plays uh, Sookie's brother in True Blood, which I stopped watching, by the way, because I read the Sookie Stackhouse books, and they're so different they're so in a different. way that I don't like. Well, you know, it, I'm it was, not one of those people who cares. Like, I don't care if the show is different from the books. They're separate media. But the direction they took it in was, I just didn't enjoy it the way I enjoyed well, it. Where the problem was for me, because I've read all the Sookie Stackhouses. But the problem for me is, is that the books are full of, full of sex and blood and all that. But when you see that on the screen... And this volume of blood just encoding well, the, the floor. They, and it, I, I, I just... I, I, I want that layer of distance. Right. I, I want my brain to go, okay, yes, there's blood on I'm the not floor. Going to imagine that I don't need to see it. That part didn't bother me. It was more... I liked the fact that the Suki Stackhouse books are mysteries. Um, and the, the show is not. Like, it's not... There's no... It, the, the formula of a mystery story is followed pretty faithfully through most of those books. And I'm not a, I'm not a huge mystery fan, but I, I do enjoy the genre of mystery, and I would say that those fall more into mystery than the paranormal romance or whatever they've been sort of labeled as. And I just, without that, it didn't appeal to me anymore. There's no, there's no real problem solving that she's doing. Right, I, she's I, very I, reactive in the show, and that's something I did not know about the book. Not proactive. And, well, like, and, and vampires in general have been ruined for me. Have been completely <laughs> ruined for me. I and wrote, it started with Anne Rice. I wrote a she vampire romance novel. Way too much. It was just I it's don't awful. want the romance stuff. I don't want. There's a lot of history. There's a lot of. Mm-hmm. If I'm, it's just like it's like the fan films from Star Wars. If if I want romance, I will go and friggin' find romance. If I want a delicious story that's going to carry me somewhere, that's what I want. I don't. I know that. Physically, as a person who's dead, you cannot have an erection. So there's just not going to happen. So but stop with it being so romantic and beautiful. And oh my God, and the undead. They're not beautiful. They're dead. They're gross. That's why I They're, like the way... That's we how I grew up with, with, with... I can't... T- I just... I can't take anything that has to do... They, they've gone... What was it? Something on the CW. And then they've gone and created like the originals now. And there's new vampires. And oh, they're I, all I, gorgeous. I, I saw the pilot of that and went... No, it just I've I've been ruined for vampires. So any and I used to love it as kids. But I the way the, the vampires the, there's what three different types of vampires in the Dresden universe. I think three the Dresden books. The, there's there's, there's, there's the red court, red court and the white court, and then there's the the black ones that are like true undead, like scary, ghoulish, horrible monster things, and they show up some in one of the later ones. So there's a variation of dead. It's not right, a one or a right. zero. It's... And they're not. And none of them are really vampires, per se. Like they don't embody all the different things about being a vampire. They have different, and they're tied into magic. And some some types of vampires used to be people, and others are born that way. And they're like they have very specific qualities. And I don't think it's overdone. And they're not really. You'll like the new book. Well, and, and for me, one of the difficulties is is I am not spoiler sensitive because when I get a book. 
I'll probably read the first two or three chapters, and then I will go to the back of that book, and I will read that last damn chapter to find out if that book is worth my time. (laughs) You know, I've only ever put down two books and not finished them. One was an autobiography by a guy who ended up just being way too angry and bitter, and I said, I can't can't read your story, you're too angry and bitter. And one was an Anne Rice book. Uh, cry to heaven after yeah. like the third or fourth time one of the choir boys had unnecessary sex with the bishop I just said you know I don't I don't, I don't understand anymore. her I don't it, she had actually I started when I started reading the Anne Rice books I got through two of them and I've blocked it out enough that I don't remember it. well the interview with the vampire and then the one that you mentioned I re- vaguely remember cry starting to, heaven, to read that the one with the castrati tenors yeah. yeah and then there was another one and I just I was I was disillusioned by that because I had been told, oh, you have to read Anne Rice if you yeah. like fantasy books. And I had read oh, all the Piers Anthony's. I'd read, I loved Robert but, Aspirin, that, but she ruined it. She ruined fantasy but for me for a while. she's not fantasy. But uh, Anne Rice is not. I know what I'm she fantasy. She basically. I was yes. in high school. I was stupid. What did I know? Yeah. I And I came from Catholic school, so it was double. I didn't hear yeah. rock and roll till I was 14. And you've probably never even read her porn. I that's not even to. Her porn. I don't even want to you read the uh, Jesus books too. That's a. Oh, I, 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 I got to draw the line I've somewhere. Heard, I'm I've sorry. Heard stories. <laughs> I have no interest in that. I, 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 I do. Been doing a lot of the audiobooks because I like to hear other people read. I love to hear the the inflection of it, and just I love being told a story, and I like to read. I read Snow Crash and listened to Snow Crash in tandem, and it was great. I can't do audiobooks. I tone them out, like tune them out completely. I love I, it. I don't know oh, why, but I'll find it. it depends. I, there, I'll there, find there, that I have not been listening for like ten pages. There are worth. certain readers that I like a lot, and one of them is the one who does the um, Lois McMaster Bujold book. I can't remember what his name is. Um, What's the name of the book? He ju- he just won an award. Lois for, um, McMaster. Lois McMaster Bujold. I love her books, but he just won an award for Captain Vorpatrol's Alliance, the audiobook, reading it. I'm behind on those. Name. The last one I read was the one with the butterbugs. Uh, Civil um, campaign. Yes. Oh, I think that is. I got awesome. into those books because of her, because my mom is a big. Yeah, I I, I love those books. And in Wild, fact, Wild uh, fan, think so. our our geek talk thing in October, we're doing the Vorkosigan books. Now which there's will be a, lot a property that could either be incredibly ruined or incredibly wonderful as a film series. You would have to get the right miles. Yes. And, you'd, have and, to get, you'd have to get the Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark of Miles Murkowski. Yes, right? exactly. Like, you'd have exactly. to get someone who is Miles Murkowski. And, and that's going to be really hard. Yeah. You know, and while it's one of those things I would love to see and I would hate to see because, and everybody has in their minds these visuals of what these, that's right. one of those beloved series yes. that, you know, you know who these characters are and you know in your mind what they look like. Grover Gardner. Grover what a Gardner. Name. That's a great name. I love him. He has the most fabulous voice. All right, earmarked. So he's. He, I, I love him. But how did we go? We went down the rabbit hole. I again. have no idea what we're. talking about. I don't know. About. It just. But we did talk about all things that we talked about: TV shows, movies, and books, and games, and comics. And the rumors about the new Star Wars movie. Rumors about the new Star Wars movie. <laughs> I'm not even going to do the Star Trek thing. Sorry, Miles. The way your handwriting is, it looks like you said games and boobs in comics. Books. The K okay. kind of got funny. But have have you seen the, the illustrations out there of if uh, the the male comic book heroes? Somebody did the Avengers the... poster where you've got Black Widow like with her butt hanging out, and they wait they turned they, her yes. around and then turned all the guys. <laughs> oh, so the their butts are hanging out. I, I 
I lost it when... So male characters doing what? They're male characters and their costumes have been sexualized. The way female characters The way female character are. costumes are. So you get like the little chainmail bikinis and, you know. Character costumes. It's just like watching 300, right? Which the thing I hated about 300 and the book and, and the movie is that um, the Spartans wore armor. Like real honest to God armor. It's a movie. Actually, there's a really great um, companion book that came out. And it came out while I was working at the comic book store. People kept buying it by mistake because it looks very similar to the original graphic novel. But they did a companion book for the movie with a bunch of behind-the-scenes stuff. And you know the scene where the one Spartan jumps off the rock and cuts the guy's arm off? Mm-hmm. Right before they did that, they were setting the shot up and everything, and the actor who plays that character, who I will not remember no matter how much we think about it here, so I'll just skip it. Um, he's standing on this rock, like, psyching himself out for the scene in his full costume... But with his iPad or iPod shuffle, he's got his headphones in and his little little white cord and his little shuffle on his on his belt of his uh, battle bikini. Um, battle bikini. Yes, the Spartans, wow. the Spartans and Doctor Manhattan wear battle bikinis. Um, but God, good Lord, we have tangented in the most delicious way. And as I think back to how we've gone from story to story to story, everything has a connection. But when we tangent with the boys, it's. You know, okay, hard stop, turn, and this has been nice. I need to hijack the show more often with my lady friends and have a lovely, lovely time. I've learned a lot about comic books from you guys, which I love. And I love that it's chicks that I'm learning from. Because what's I'm really great was a couple of years ago, my father decided to get rid of all of his comics. And when he got rid of his record collection, he just got rid of them and didn't consult any of us, which made me really sad. Um, but when he got rid of his comics, he, he called me. So Sarah, I've got like three or four Rubbermaid bins of comics. Do you want them? And I was like, Heck yeah. if I don't, I'll find a good home for them. You know, I won't just drop them off at Goodwill or whatever. It turned out all of my dad's comics were from like 1988 to 1994, which was about the time period that Steve was not collecting because he was overseas in the military. And I was not collecting because my dad was getting all these comics. He had them delivered to the house. He had an actual subscription, which I'm not sure you can do anymore. A lot of them were still in the shrink wrap that they came mailed in. Nice. Because he had never gotten around to reading them to, you know, two little kids. And so the funny thing about that is that's before they switched papers. And so we opened the bin, and this wave of childhood just whoosh out of it. <laughs> it took us like seven or eight hours. Our original intention was we were just going to take them out, get them out of that plastic because the plastic shipping bags had acid in them and yep. so they will decay the comics. And so we had bought a great big stack of bags and boards and we were just bagging and boarding, and bagging and boarding. And, but man, every so often we'd stop and Steve would be like, oh, I remember these. Like, I, oh, you know, because like, the, there was a gap in his collection for that time period. And so he's just and so it took us all night to get these things bagged and boarded. There weren't that many of them, but it was just so nostalgic. We're just sitting here going, these are amazing. And my dad goes, hey, so did you find a home for those? I'm like, oh, they're not going anywhere. <laughs> you, well, you did find a home for them. I did. Your home. Um, that has a, a few of my of dad's, own, though. A few of my to. dad's old comics from the 50s. We have a, um, a Golden Age um, Roy Rogers comic that was my dad's, and then one of the Greek myths, I think it's Hercules, and that's why I asked you earlier about the Golden Age, because around that time is when they switched to what they call the Silver Age size. Uh-huh. And so the, the comics are quite noticeably different sizes between those two time periods. Now, so. we have the traditional size. I have I've, I have all my brother's old Jack Kirby ones. Oh, yeah. Those, those are, are so awesome, the Jack Kirby ones. The Kirby Crackle, right? Yes. 
It, what was it? The, uh, the, the, the those are my two favorite and... terms. Kirby crackle, which is the stuff in the in all of Kirby's comics. There's little the way the it's, art it's is. The, yeah. Okay, the, the little, I don't know what and Kirby. You, 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 you can't tell can't from our little it. hand yeah, movements I'm getting that we're making for audio. I just know oh, her. Oh, Jack Kirby is, um, was one of the premier comic right. book artists of his era. And helped um, in the creation of a lot of major characters. And, and you can tell his style immediately, you know, with the big square jaws and, and, and the women were curvy and just... Yeah. Was he a Marvel guy? Yes. yes. Okay, Primarily. and I've heard of him. I, I watched on the Netflix the documentary about Stan Lee. Mm-hmm. And that was right. that was a great way to get myself boosted into as far as information. And I still keep watching it, and I keep missing names. And the Kirby name sounded familiar. Yeah, but Jack Kirby. There's so many there's so many names that are now verbs when yes. you go to discuss things. Well, the other good one is the Claremont and illustrations yes. and photography. Yes. The Claremontism it's, is my other favorite, and the, the, some of the most famous lines like. Um, I'm the best at what I do and what I do ain't nice, I believe, is a Claremontism. I know, oh, my stars and garters is a Claremontism, which nice. that's Beast's thing, you know, oh, my stars and garters, which is, oh, I love it. And they and they got him to say it, I think, in X3. I, I want to say I, I, that he I don't says recall. that line. I don't recall. But that was one of my favorites always. Beast I is could, actually one of my favorite characters that you don't see all that I much, like Beast. So. My, I don't like Kelsey one of Grammer, my favorites, so he ruined it for me. I, I, I love... Well, the young skinny guy that played him in... Yeah. I don't like it. In the past, is pretty cute. He's I adorable, like and he does a cute. I I like him for the. Wait, beast you just that don't I like Frasier as the beast. I just I I don't find Kelsey Grammer believable. I find Kelsey Grammer. It's kind of like Jim Carrey for me. When I see Jim Carrey in a film, I see Jim Carrey in a different costume. There's two movies that I've seen of him with him in it where I forget that it's Jim Carrey. And it's like I, I just when I see Kelsey Grammer, all I see is Kelsey Grammer. I, I guess he's for me, what, what I don't like he's, about the Beast is, is this whole him being able to change back and forth because that was the thing. That is you had this brilliant, brilliant man who was stuck in this beast-like body, and nobody there was anything he could under, do about it. There was nothing he could do yeah. about it. Nobody understood. They depicted him it, well it in was, the cartoon. It was like Nightcrawler. You yeah. know, you have Nightcrawler, mm-hmm. this creature who looks like a devil, mm-hmm. you know, covered in blue very fur, sensitive. very yeah. sensitive, <laughs> sweet, gorgeous, nice though. man. Well, he's also... And, you know, anytime... Time, so. No, the character. Oh, okay. I always I thought the character say. was gorgeous. You know, and the whole, you know, when he teleports, you get the, the hellfire, the, brims, the, the brimstone <laughs> We smell, always talk so. about that, like, man, I wish I could just bamf over there. Like, and he's like... <laughs> bamf has like, become a verb. What, what I love is he's a devout... Roman Catholic, right? Mm. And but he's the epitome of and a did demon. the Munich Circus. I was known as a nightclub. <laughs> yeah, and and then he had his blind girlfriend because yes. that's the only kind of girlfriend he could have. I don't mm. know what he did with his tail when they were out on a date. When but he you know, and Mystique were like looking at each other in that movie, and I'm like, "That's your mom! Stop that!" Like, ah! <laughs> so. In the well, in the movie, are they going to? I don't know how they're going to treat it. Um, in the comics, he is Mystique's son, and she. Uh, abandons him because he is permanently blue and she can't hide him. Mm. So she is is passing as as normal human and so he is a vulnerability for her and so she abandons him on the f- steps of a church and that's mm-hmm. how he ends up. That's his origin story. Um, I don't recall if in the comics he's Azazel's son or not, but I believe that's what they're sort of setting up is after she and... Eric and Azazel and all them go off. Sometime between then and Azazel's death, she and Azazel have 
Nightcrawler. I don't I don't know if that's going to be canon for it, and I don't remember if that's the case. I do not know. Well, now in the movie, he's dead, because he was one of the dead ones that she yes. found in the book. But there's like a 10-year time period where it's possible that, she could, have that had, she could have had a child and abandoned it. Okay. They just don't know how they're going to treat it, like what they're going to do with it. So It should be neat. I do like the Marvel... <clears throat> I, I like the Marvels. I've become more of a Marvel person since the Marvel Studios opened and they started making the the three arcs. Right. And the next arc looks to be delicious. And Davros, who was hinted at at the end of the first Davros? Avengers movie. Davros? Isn't he like Is the, it not that, Davros? That's Doctor Who. Yeah. No, there's something Vros. Um, uh, I can't think of what it's called. It's a name that sounds like Davros, and now I can't think of it. He was... Uh, I know what you're talking about. At the end of Avengers, the dude with the jaw who looks like he's made of stone. (laughs) The dude with the jaw. And he's the one who gave... He was in the stinger at the end of the Avengers. Right. Thanos. No. Thanos? No. Thanos the Destroyer or whatever. They say who it's supposed to be, but it's been so so long since since I actually saw that. And I was kind of hoping that that's not the story arc they go with. So, you know. They're going to have Ultron. That's it, Ultron. Yes, I know they're gonna have Ultron. So, so who is Ultron? Is it um, like Formu? James Spader? Is oh no, you mean no the character? The I, character. I don't know. I don't know much about it. Is it like? Is it their own little version of Voltron? Is it like five? No, no, no. no. Tigers. No, Ultron no. is like a cosmic <laughs> character. Five tigers that join to become a robot. Yes. No. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Did it, you see it the is. robot chicken except, recently? Except it's not. The... It's not tigers. It's chickens. Oh, okay. Nice. Yes. I don't. I broke up with TV two years ago, so I've. I'm. I'm. There's a pretty terrible Voltron joke in a recent Voltron. episode of Robot Chicken. Voltron's gonna get remade. Thundercats is being remade when, right now. Back Thunder. When I owned a Thunder. Thundercats. Thunder Thunder oh. Several of us owned Honda Fits in different colors, and so we always joked that we would have to get all the Honda Fits together and make a. I, I have a red one. I had a silver one, and my friend has an orange one, and another friend has the baby blue, but I don't have mine anymore. No, so. oh, so sad. It's you need to sad. find a bunch of them and make a Honda Fit Voltron. Yes. That could be so, an Ultron. It'd the be thing that drove cute. me crazy, so I watched the original Power Rangers series when it was on the air. And I was too old. I was, I was too old when those came out. Um, <laughs> that, that, that disdain so in your the voice. Bandai company, their model is was they would do like a season of a show and then have cool toys and then they would make a different show. Like they did it with um, Beetleborgs or whatever and there were a whole mm-hmm. bunch of them. Just goofy, campy. The people doing the fighting were being filmed overseas and it was not the people who were doing the acting sequences and it was a whole other thing. Well, that was so cool because they could do it for American markets and then right. Asian markets yeah, because scenes. you only had to do the non-costumed scenes right. separately and they could just dub over the but other so ones, which was brilliant. They had their zords, which they would form the big mm-hmm. thing. It always drove me crazy. It's like because they would each attack the bad guy one at a time, which is dumb. And then they would gang up on the bad guy, and then the bad guy would transform, and then they would get the zords, and then they would try to fight the bad guy with the individual zords. And they would. It's like, why don't you start the battle in the big zord all to begin with? together and oh, just do it that way and cut like twenty five minutes of unnecessary combat out of this show? Because the combat's what sells the show. Do you know what I, I want to see? I, <laughs> I want to see? see Ultraman. 
I would love Ultraman Rebirthed. I miss Ultraman. I loved Ultraman I actually so looking, bad. I'm looking really forward to, and fingers crossed, the new Flash spinoff from Arrow, because I actually liked the old the, Flash the, the TV show. The previews look really good. And I think Flash is a character I, I truly love who I don't think gets enough Which Flash exposure. is it? It's, it's Barry. It's Barry, yeah. It's, okay. it's Barry. Um, but, like, the Flash's bad guys are really kind of cool. I, I do like the fact that half of them are all called Captain something. And there's actually a joke about that in, um, was it Brave and the Bold? It was one of the Justice League cartoons. I don't remember which one, if it was Justice League or Justice League Unlimited or whatever. Um, but there's a one that's an all-Flash episode, and he... He goes into a bar and finds one of his bad guys sitting there, and he goes, "You know, you're wearing the suit again, James." And he's like, "I am." And he's like, "Yeah, you're off your you're off your meds, aren't you?" And he convinces him to turn himself in and everything, which is really kind of cool. But the guy goes, "If I was a captain, they would listen to me because there's like Captain Boomerang, <laughs> all these guys." I never got um, into. I was trying to get into the Arrow show, but it was. I was still feeling stabbed in the soul for what they did with Smallville, and I they're very different. I I, I couldn't pick it up in Arrow. Primarily because of my own issues with I can't watch this show because it's too depressing. Um, although of course it's got Paul Blackthorne in it, so it's like, but well, it just I, the storyline start, kind of started going in that world of it's it it just I I was probably not the right audience for it that they were going say, for a particular I group hate of people. The Black that Canary was, in that show, I hate her. I hate her. So I, I hadn't even actually gotten to the black. She I think I think crazy. only watched like the first three episodes, and she I just I was not so in the mood at the time for the whole corporate conspiracy. Yeah. But I just wasn't up for that at that particular moment in time. And the beauty of Netflix is that I can go back and watch, watch it whenever yeah. I want. Yeah. I so. will eventually. I did it like with Buffy. I finally went back. I watched it. It does not carry well into the century, but it was just, <laughs> I get where people were going and why they liked it. I still found it a little, there's just a, there's just a level, my disbelief is, I can if tell I you want a genre, I want the, the genre. I don't want the watched, different, I can count on one hand. So. Really? It was yeah. really pretty well written for the time and, but. Again, so here's a fun fact. I, want a story, I loved the I movie, want the whole story. The, I, the, which wait, is a completely wait. different thing. And I know Joss Whedon hates that movie and wishes he had never made it, but... I loved that movie. As horrible and goofy and campy it as it is, camp, it's got Donald Sutherland. I, I mean, I, I I love that. I did not realize Joss Whedon made that he, movie. He, I don't think he made the movie, but he wrote the script. But anyhow, I the the thing that I loved about a lot. the Buffy movies <laughs> was the rapport between mm. the Scoobies. I've always heard and that. And the, the 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 dialogue between them, the yes. throwaway lines yeah. that Whedon would throw in there and and you know the the ridiculousness of the plot lines and you know right. hellmouth and demons well, and, and initiative it made a that lot was of great irrelevant careers. you just had this I, I loved these people and yeah. how they talked to each oh, other yeah. and how they interacted and that's what I watched it so for. Joss wrote the movie he wrote the movie he didn't make but the movie but Fran Rubel Kuzui I don't know his name I can't pronounce this or her name but she made the movie and there were some good, wonderful people in there. He's got Rucker Hauer and Paul Rubens. That, I really Hauer. enjoyed that Paul movie. I, I, I enjoyed it. And in fact, when, when the TV show it. came out after that movie, it took a little mind adjustment yeah. to kind yeah. of switch tracks because they were two different very styles. Different. Mm-hmm. Very different. I, it, there was some I like it when the guy and... cat calls her and is like, hey, you want to feel a little power between your legs? She's like, I sure do. And she steals his motorcycle. <laughs> 
There's also some great little toss-offs. Off. Like, you I've know, not guy, seen that film. Paul Rubin's character gets his arm ripped off, and he's like, you ruined my new jacket. <laughs> like... I don't think I have seen that since last since the nineties. That was that was the, the first. That was the first thing he was in since you know the scandal. The scandal. Ruben scandal. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I can't even remember the scandal. Was it? Um, he was arrested. He, he, he was. In a, he was a. He, he was a child show host. That's right, and he and got he was caught arrested. being an adult. Yes, yes he got basically. caught being adult. Yeah. Okay, I got it. Wow. We've talked for almost two hours, which is amazing. Because we can, and, and it's, I could go on for All another time. All I have to do today is polyurethane some EVA foam and see if it works. Yeah. I, it was, I'm just very, thank you. And uh, a dear friend of mine, Liz, was going to join us, but she had a family emergency. So, Sarah, thank you for being like. Hey, you got me out of ching. my pajamas. Yay. So. Hello, nurse. Um, oh, please. I wear like, a <laughs> t-shirt and men's sleep pants. My pajamas are not exciting at all. So, so sad. Thank I know, you. It's awful. And then, and thank you for helping me remember Sarah. Because yay! Thank you so much. How could anyone forget? Well, I, my brain was like, "Holy crap! Who am I going to get?" Um, I never shut up. So you know, you'd think if you're looking for somebody to talk. She, <laughs> she was so funny. She's like, "Well, it'll just be the two of us." And I said, "Well, that's okay. If it sucks, we just won't air it." No, of course we'll air it. It'll be fun. It's just more keep fun. it in the vault. Do like in prints the vault. and just. Oh, have- there you go. Hours limited edition, limited edition that will never be released for anyone ever. If you do a Kickstarter, you know they can get we the, the dinette episode. <laughs> well, I, we've joked about doing talking about some of the darker sides of sci-fi and 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 books and movies in that world, but that's a little bit more hello nurse, but doing it more the sci-fi diner at night kind of. Mm-hmm. And actually, I would like to have those conversations. This particular show is not the audience for it, but it, that would be kind of neat to have that. But I do appreciate both of you for coming over and snacking on yummy foods. Well, thank you for having us, and thank you for Bellinis because these are Yay! awesome. Yay! To the ladies of Nerddom. <laughs> anyway, so thanks, ladies, for coming. It was lovely, and thank you all for listening. This is M. Ciro Garcia for the Sci Fi Diner with the lovely. And Carrie. And the lovely. Sarah Paul. Have a great day. Do your dailies. Feed your critters. Thank you so much for visiting the Sci-Fi Diner. We hope you enjoyed the food, the service, and the conversations. If you'd like to share your thoughts regarding what we've talked about, or tell us what you're watching or reading, flip open your communicators and contact us at one 888 508 4343 or click the SpeakPipe link at scifidinerpodcast.com or send an mp3 or typed email to scifidinerpodcast at gmail.com You can also join the conversation on our Facebook fan page at facebook.com slash scifidiner We'll share your thoughts on our listener feedback show If you'd like to support the diner beyond the conversation always throw some coins in the tip jar at sci-fi diner podcast.com <laughs>